Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, you know that sound? It's the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered. It is episode number 74. I'm entitling this one in an ode to the old Julia Roberts movie, Podcasting with the Enemy. As uh, thank you, Unfiltered Band. I get a chance to welcome him, longtime friend, former teammate, and uh, one of the best in the business and most sincere as well, who's covering the Braves forever over at MLB.com, uh, my buddy Mark Bowman. Uh, first of all, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I was, I was referencing before we got started, I thought we were just going to be like, you know, we could call this two beards, and then I realized you shaved. Except <laughs> yeah. the only, if I shave, then I'm going to look 12 and then I'm, then I'm, then I'm really never getting back on TV. So I was I afraid I if I hadn't shaved, I'd look about 57. So, you know, there's all the gray. Well, it's yeah. all right. After watching these two teams, that's what happens. And that's right. I was saying this to you beforehand, but I, I wanted to, because I, this is a, this episode to me is a bringing together of two fan bases who think that they are polar opposites and they are much more alike than they think. Um, it is the gatekeeper and the keymaster getting together in uh, in Ghostbusters. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I have enjoyed the hell out of the trumpet trolling, so I got to st- I got to start there. How much fun have you had having fun at the expense of the crazy uh, portion of the Mets fan base, which is probably about eighty five percent of it? Well, I mean, I mean, the good thing is, you, I got a a text from. Andy McCullough one time about a month ago. And he said, I'm going to have to admit one of my most, one of the most entertaining things I have right now is just reading the comments under Anthony DeComo's tweets, you know, just, just, you know, because every night it's six (laughs) weeks away and every, you know, the Mets fans are panicking with every win loss, you know, every loss and the Braves fans the same way. And, and I guess the one thing we, Maybe there is somebody in the in the Braves fan base. I don't know, but but for Frank the Tank to have have become this, you know, just a, this figurehead for you know, it's probably he probably represents what three percent of the Mets fan. I don't know. You can tell me more. Maybe maybe fifteen, twenty. I, I don't think know. that's being too kind. Three is okay, but, it's not, right. but it's not a hundred like every Braves fan thinks. Put it that way. <laughs> but I mean to to see those guys, and of course Salicata obviously created some some fodder there back in May when he said the race was over. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a green pea, not understanding in this business. You can't do that with any team that early can't. in the season. You no. can't. And, you know, I assumed it would be the Mets, but when I, you know, right before the season started, I said this this uh, race would be determined on the final, in the final week. And that's exactly where we're heading. And uh, it has been a lot of fun. Yes, it's it's been fun just to kind of, Oh, you're oh, trolling man. him. Oh, come on. You're trolling him. I'm enjoy- oh, yeah. You know I'm enjoying it. I've had some fun <laughs> with you on Twitter. I even had to tweet once to, like, try and include you in a tweet just so Met fans understood, like, no, no, I know him. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, look, I don't think Mets fans hate me as much as D.C. fans, but I'm going to tell you the story. Back in, I think it was 2017, we had a three-hour rain delay where there was really no rain. Strasburg, they just didn't want to have Strasburg pitch. He didn't want to pitch. And I said, after two hours of uh, this delay, D.C. fans are waiting for uh, NLCS appearance, uh, Stanley Cup, and rain. Well, they've got their rain, they got their Stanley Cup, and they got their NLCS, but they also hate, still hate me for that. So, hey, look, 
it'll whatever I say will come back to, to haunt me in some way, shape, or form. So that's all right. Steven Strasburg hasn't pitched since, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's really it's no problem. Um, right. I let, let me let me and I want to delve into the teams, but I I got to continue this for a little bit. So he, I want to tell you where I stand, and I you know me a long time. I mean, I'm very. I, I feel like one of the things about me over the years, I've never, I grew up listening to, you know, Russo and France and guys who like, when you're doing talk radio, you know, they're a diehard fan of a team and you got to find a way to cover it unbiasedly. And I do that, which is, you know, why I feel like, you know, I've got a lot of friends down here in Atlanta and even, you know, people who listen, who know I'm harder on this team than anybody. I'm the first one to tell you, here's where I stand on the trumpets. And I want, want you to tell me if you think this is a fair and rational opinion. Okay. After Hell's Bells, which to me was number one with Trevor, and and you know I love Wags. I mean Billy, I'm not Mo. That was his tune, right? I mean even I was saying that back in the day. Billy, you can't. You got to find a different song. Yeah. With Enter Sandman, right? This is the third coolest one that I remember. I mean, when it initially started happening, and the way SNY does this, and it's all theater, like, they're a huge part of it. Like, the way that they film it from the back, it is, it's really cool. And I was there. I'm in that. Like, I, I totally buy into that. I'm okay with having him there. I actually think it was cool, because for people who don't realize, Mark, and I'm sure you know this or, or read it, it's the first baseball game he's ever been to, the Timmy yeah. But guy, that's the cool. That's cool. Like for us that are baseball, oh, yeah. like what a, people think he's he's nobody knows who he is. But you see, like overseas in Australia, he's performing for like hundreds of thousands of people, right at like Woodstock, Australia, or whatever the hell that is for trumpets, right? Yeah. But that whole thing was great. Met fans have made it terrible. The the Mets to me didn't do anything wrong with it. It's way better than who let the dogs out going back in the day, right? With the Bahamut. It is cool. And to bring it back in the postseason, if he comes live, that's cool. The Met fans have become so obsessed with Contreras coming out to this song. And who's allowed? Where are you? Where are you honestly on the initial trumpet thing and then where it kind of went awry? Because I, I appreciate respect and actually am for all the trolling you're doing because it's driven it's driving me nuts at this point <laughs> but where are you on like the initial like how you how you saw the trumpets let's get that out of the way from your vantage point i mean i think you know we, we were you know we saw Diaz come out of the bullpen a few times there and and we're thinking you know you don't think anything of it and then all of a sudden here in, in august the, the mets come to atlanta and they, they hear Contreras come out to that song and I, I don't remember which were the TV guys it was, but they they kind of said, "Hey, look, that's uh, they're they're trolling the Mets or they're tra- trolling Edwin," and and all of a sudden you're thinking, <laughs> "That's funny." I mean, I I didn't know they had Edwin had the rights to this song, so you know you just have some fun with it, and then you realize it upsets people, and then you just continue poking <laughs> the bear and, and just watching the bear dance, and it, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. The bear has danced, I think, yes. uh, plenty. And, and look, and, and I think now it gets ex- exacerbated. My favorite part is, like, the, this, here's the saddest part, the last thing in the trumpets. The guy seems like a totally, like, I don't know him at all, but I watched the videos. He seems so grateful and, and, like, Timmy Trumpet of, like, you know, being in it and nobody knew what the song was. Grateful for Contreras playing it. He said the right things. He's like, I'm happy when anybody, Alabama, is playing it before the game. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, this guy's... Good for him. I feel bad because he's gotten thrown into it. You got Braves fans ripping this dude on Twitter. All he did was play his trumpet. Exactly. <laughs> he hasn't done anything. This is an absolute tribute to him because it's like 
there's there are just those certain songs when they come on, you know, obviously yeah. the, the chippers, you went, oh, hey, he's coming to the to plate. I mean, it, this this is one of those songs where it just grabs your attention. Yes. You know, and yes. it, it's perfect for Edwin to use. It's great for Contreras to use. And and let's let's get two outs in the ninth inning one time next week, you know, with uh, D- or Edwin against uh, Contreras. That's what <laughs> I want. I want that. Want trumpet, the- trumpet, trumpet, trumpet bowl, if you will. That's right. Yeah. Give me the Trump. And by the way, so let me ask this before I move forward. So MLB Network put out, I think it was a few weeks ago after this became a big thing. What would be, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what would be your like closer walkout tune? So I'm going to give you like, we're about the same age. I'm going to, I'm going to give you what for years, mine has always been like, why doesn't a closer use this? And that's thunderstruck by ACDC. Yeah. Like, the beginning of that tune and like, I'm, I'm like, okay, like that would like, there are like certain songs. D- does Mark Bowman have like, do you have a walk-up song or like a, if you're the closer, like, have you thought of like, what song gets you? Like none of us want to actually, you know, walk very far, but if we have to like, or run somewhere, like what's the song that can get your ass out of bed and get you moving? That's a good, that's a good one. I'm going to have to say, there was there's a it's more of a country and then it, that's it's all right in it too it's it's uh bottoms up uh, oh, i like that one yeah i know it exactly now that might not be the greatest you know closer entrance i've always said why don't you just do that as a seventh inning stretch you know you know yeah that, that type of song but that's probably the one that i you know go that way now i like that. i will say one song that caught my attention when i was in new york last year uh was aaron loop he had a walk or his entrance song was uh un see it was country as hell un so, so, in other words something like he wasn't unabashedly or something country as yeah. hell anyhow i'm walking as you know you go down those press stop press oh, box yeah. stairs and go up into the kitchen all i hear is if you can't dip in church you can't dip anywhere <laughs> <laughs> And I'm thinking, here I am. That's my song. (laughs) That's my song. By the way, why is it always that we're headed to the kitchen? Uh, Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so let let me get to, and I want to hit a bunch of things on the Braves, and then circle back to kind of Braves Mets. How how much has we know what these kids have been amazing on this team? What they've done and what they've added in terms of performance, right? bottom of the lineup, you know, d- different positions, especially you know, Grissom coming in now, all you know, still obviously down again, unfortunately, and he's a great player. I'd love to see him healthy. How much energy have they added? Like in the midst of, Hey, you're like in a run where people don't realize, and you and I do, we've covered it. When you won a championship, that hunger, it, it's not humanly possible for people who are on that team for it to be the same. You're going from game seven and a parade and a shortened off season to all of a sudden it's May 8th, right? And you're playing the Marlins. How much do you think those kids are a big reason why everything kicked into gear over that three, four month span that's been ridiculous that we're on right now with Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, you you look at all of them. You, you, Michael Harris, I mean, what he has done has been incredible. amazing. He does. He he certainly has brought it. Just it's he's quiet. He he's easy going. He doesn't, but he's he, he's uh, sneaky funny. He's got a good sense of humor, and just the way he plays the game that that brings energy. You've got. Spencer Strider, who I I don't know if they Braves have, you know, Jason Hayward was great. Freddie Freeman was great. Greg Kimbrell was great. But I don't think the Braves have had any two rookies or any rookies more impactful 
than Michael Harris and Spencer Strider since probably Chipper Jones in 1990. Yeah, and Andrew, I think about right in '96 yeah. too, right? Yeah, in '96. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that you'd have to go back there to find guys that have just completely turned around a season. They put Michael Harris in center field on May 28th. Uh, they put Strider in the rotation on May 30th, and we all know what has happened since June 1st. You know, it's it, it's not a coincidence. You know, Strider uh, solidified that rotation and, and uh, Harris, they brought him up just to make sure they, you know, the outfield defense was horrible. You know, they just said, Hey, come up here, make our outfield defense better. If he hit 210, that's great. Now, you know, here he is hitting 300 plus, and, you know, with, with the, you know, his pace would be a 30 homer season. Um, it's a, it's pretty remarkable what those two guys have done. And then just you throw Vaughn Grissom in the mix and he's the 21 year old kid who, who definitely brings some, some youthful uh, some swag like, to him yeah, right yeah exactly exactly it's uh you know i know he kind of upset mets fans a couple weeks ago when he said i thought the mets were going to take me draft me and that would have been horrible <laughs> yeah well it, that's just because it's overboard and unnecessary but that's all right i'm not going to get on him for that <laughs> yeah. i mean because you know you and i both know how it is it's like you know then if he was drafted by the mets it would have been like the greatest day of his life I mean, <laughs> exactly. you know, let's, let's be honest right it's like how many guys have we seen like they get into the yankee pinstripes and they're at the presser and they're like i've dreamed of this my whole life yeah you know yeah. i mean and some of it is like i remember johnny damon went to the tigers he said he always wanted to play in detroit like in the presser and i remember <laughs> i wish i was there asking why <laughs> so, so it's like you know half of this stuff but I, but the, the yeah. energy of the guys is one thing yeah you mentioned you mentioned strider right and i want to go back to because one point of contention for both fan bases that are watching and listening to this right now was that whole the comments about the lucky and all that stuff i thought and and I said this on Twitter because people don't want it. Like you have to, you you have to be willing to be wrong and admit it. You also have to adjust as people grow and adjust. I said when he came out and made the comments, he's just a kid, right? And he's got that confidence. And I remember Chipper telling me years ago, and a thing I did with him here in Decatur, he said that his dad taught him when he was young about skating the line between confidence and arrogance and how important it is to have a little bit of both, right? To be successful. I had no problem with it. What I said was, Teammates probably don't want you throwing bulletin board material up there for no reason. And then the next start that he made against them, he and the presser, I thought, did everything you want a kid to do. He didn't take back what he said, but was more complimentary, more understanding of it. Is that how you saw those two things? Like, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, he's confident and a brash kid. You need that. But there was nothing wrong, I don't think, for people who, like me at least, forget about irrational Met fans, saying, hey, look – teammates usually don't want a kid that age doing things like that and throwing up bulletin board material for a team you're chasing at that time. Is that how you saw that? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. It's one of those things where you say, Oh no, but you know what? Most part of that, the reason he said those things is he was mad at himself. You know, he was somewhat embarrassed. He, you know, he did. That was a, a time where he could have, uh, you know, come up big in a, a big game, make sure that they don't lose four or five up there. But you know, I think he was a little bit embarrassed. Uh, but it's like you said, the next game, not he threw five good, you know, solid innings, comes out and says, you know what, I, you know, I didn't really mean it like like that. But at the same time, uh, you know, complimented the Mets. And um, he kind of did the same thing yesterday. Or I, You know, the, the funny thing, I, I really like that brashness. I it just You need like it. You need line. it. You need he, it. He, so he, he had thrown about a, a week or two before we went to New York and he made those comments. 
Uh, you know, he comes out of the all-star break and here's a kid who threw, you know, 60 innings at Clemson over two years. He made 10 starts there at Clemson. He pitched last year as his first pro season. He threw 94 innings or whatever. And so the question's always been, how long can he last? And, you know, we'd write about it, we'd write about it. And then, you know, you didn't question him after every start, but comes out of the all-star break and we questioned him. He goes, you know, I'm glad you guys are all innings experts. I should have just asked you how long, you know, you <laughs> liked it. You, you just kind of smiled and said, here's the 23-year-old kid looking he's not at afraid, David. Not afraid. He's not afraid David, for it. Yeah. I mean, Dave and I have been doing this job as long as he's been alive here in Atlanta. And he's looking at us and saying, I'll, I'll take care of it, guys. Don't You guys don't have to worry about me. And I asked about it again yesterday. And he said, you know, hey, look, you, yeah, I get it why you guys were asking that question. But at the same time, you know, I do have it. You know, I'm going to take care of myself. And it's That's just it. that that confidence. Like, you need yeah, that. Acknowledge, maybe I said something I shouldn't have. You know, maybe it came across the wrong way. But you know what? I want it to come across the wrong way. I want that brashness. Of course. You know, that, that's what you want in that foxhole with you. Well, look, I mean, you know, some of the greats and, you know, Pedro Martinez. I mean, how many guys do we have that are like, you know, Clemens, right? Regardless of what comes with him. It's like there is that there's there's a a dominant level of a presence that comes with them. I mean, look, you know, the Braves don't always have had that because, you know, Tommy and Greg were like two of the nicest guys and like just mild mannered. You know, Maddox was like a scientist and like, you know, Tommy's just like somebody you just like you wouldn't even know he plays baseball if you're just talking to him. Not everybody plays like and pitches that Max Scherner, not that way. Right. He got some right. brashness to him. So and, yeah. and you need some of that to do this and to have that memory like loss thing that we can't understand covering it of how these guys can you know, flip a switch and just forget and come back the same confident way. Plus, with that mustache, you better be confident because <laughs> you and I could not we could we could not pull that off. Um, I did. I know that. And thankfully, we're much closer now. It's not back to where we were pre-pandemic, but it was difficult, I know, for guys on the beat, m- much more so than me, to not be in the room, right, and not be around it, all the Zoom stuff. So I know there was a little bit of a, you know, the last time with Freddie there, not being as close to it as as people would normally be. But do they miss Freddie in the room? Do, do they, I mean, what's the sense you get? Forget about what, because I, all I hear is, you know, Acuna's comments, everybody made a big deal out of because he shouldn't have said it about wearing eye black or any of that. Just take the high road, dude, it, in my opinion, right? But he's a kid. Do they miss Freddie in that room or not? I would say this. Look, I mean, what, what Freddie, Freddie was great in that room, but Dansby stepped up. Travis Darno has stepped up. I, I, I think that leadership, uh, you know, looking up to, to somebody, I think those two guys have, have stepped in and, and kind of taken that uh, those responsibilities, and, and you know, it's a shame for Ozzy Albies. He, he he would have kind of been in that that mix too. Um, do they miss him? I, I think Snit missing me. You know, that was one guy that Snit could pull in the office and just you know they you know they back and forth just with the player. Do you, you get a better understanding of of the feel of the clubhouse? You know, I think he can he can do that with Travis. He can do that with with Dansby, but. The fact is, you knew a guy for, you know, 15 years, you know, like it was Snit and Freddie, uh, you know, going back to Freddie's earliest days in the minors. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I'd say in, in some way, but at the same time, you know, Dansby and, and Travis have, have stepped up and Matt is is a great guy. You know, Matt Olson oh, is, terrific. is a super, oh, he's terrific. super fit in that clubhouse. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to have to say that, you know, you, you, you miss – 
uh, you miss having a friend around, but at the same time, other guys have stepped up and, and done their job. And uh, you, done, you, picked up where he, he, you know, left off. You mentioned Dansby. Everybody talks about, you know, especially, you know, at days like yesterday where, you know, O'Neill Cruz hits the, the bomb off DeGrom, but, you know, he's got to settle for 86 Ks and four walks in 2022, which is just, I mean, it's, it's stupid watching him. Yeah. Um, and, I know both fan bases are paying attention to his free agency because it is not a secret that uh, he's not necessarily, you know, in love with the New York part of it. And uh, this would be kind of an area for it. We may, we may visit that conversation in the off season. How about Dansby? I mean, you, you watch him every day. We've seen how he's grown. I've been from the outside, Mark, so impressed that it would have been easy to tell the story, you know, overblown pick shouldn't have been picked there overblown in the trade. You expected a guy who was going to be such and such in the draft, but he probably shouldn't have been there. Any, right. All that could have been it's his tag and hitting eighth. Right. And, and he's kind of pushed through all of that, whether it's, you know, Atlanta or in it, you know, no, okay. It's not, you know, New York or Chicago or Philly, but when you're stigma with that pick, that's a lot of pressure. What what have you kind of you know gained from learning about what he's all about and and just how imperative is it that they bring him back in free agency? I, I do think it would it, it would be it's important to bring him back, you know. And I think it part of that is just that how much of a leader he has become, how much of a you know just when he I don't just when he speaks, it's it's, it's it, a lot of times in baseball, it's it's a do as I you know you know, you, you kind of just do as the other guys do, you kind of follow their lead that type of thing, but. But he is that guy that uh, also when, when something happens and we need to go say, you know, what happened, you, you do. You go to Dansby, you go to to Travis. But but Dansby is the guy who who truly understands exactly everything about this club, you know, not only from his childhood growing up here, but but he, he got here during the rebuild. He he has played a big, you know, big role in each of the uh, four division uh, titles they've won over the last few years. Um, I think that. Dansby has continued to grow as a person. He has been one of the game's best defensive players, uh, shortstops for the last few years. He just keeps getting better there. And, you know, most importantly, the past, you know, this year, what he's done offensively, I think that's a sign of what he could do for the next few years as well. Um, you know, from a con contract standpoint, what do you do? You know, the thing is, if you would have asked me in May, what do you do with Dansby? I'd say, go ahead and lock him up. He'd had that rough start, but but get him four years and 60, 65 million. Now, four years, $15 million a, uh, a season. And then all of a sudden he starts hitting like this and he's looking like a $20 million guy. So how do you understand, you know, you, you appreciate everything he's done. But when you when his price, it looked like his cost was here in May and now it's here. Can you justify that, especially when he's nearing 30, and then you also have to take a step back, not just with Dansby, but any other shortstop who's nearing 30, and say, hey, look, you know, the shift is gone. You know, how much more range do we need? And, it, and is that quarter of a step to half step that he loses in between ages 31 to 32 or 32 to 33, how how big is that? So there are a lot of questions to be asked, you know, uh, it's, it's not going to be just a slam dunk that he returns. And, and I'm, I'm not even even factoring in the Casey Close thing. That's that's no, not no, 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 that won't be an issue. That that's not good. Dansby will take control of this. Yeah, and, that's not going to be an issue. Yeah, th this People will be all about Dansby. Um, it's not a slam dunk he returns, but I, I think it is vital that he comes back. 
I think that, uh, but at the same time, I do understand why there'd be some reservation saying, okay, appreciate everything you've done. But if you were this cost in May and you're this cost in, in October, how, you know, how can I justify meeting you somewhere in the, in the middle there? Here's uh, the good news. The Braves have saved so much money with some yeah. of these team friendly deals that they've got that, you know, as long as it's not Alex, it's the ownership leader at Liberty Media, as long as they understand that and he sells that to them. There should be a big contract somewhere they can give because of how much they've saved over the course of so many of these young players that they've locked up. Um, so we'll see. I, I enjoy watching him as a player. It's a lot of fun to watch him. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of people in, and I look, I don't cover the Dodgers, neither do you, but in all the years that I was around Kenley Jansen, he always impressed me. I always, he's such a, he's a jolly giant. I mean, he's such a, he's a big dude. He's such a nice guy went through so many issues with the heart and everything else from a health standpoint. To me, the Dodger fans never really respected him the way they should because dominantly and then Dave Roberts had to put him in eighth innings in the postseason because they didn't have any other bullpen after Kershaw. And just like Clayton, who got left out too long and it hurt his numbers, Kenley was in there too early and it hurt his. This version of Kenley Jansen is not what he was in his peak. How much fear when you see three times in seven opportunities where he blows it here the last couple of weeks – how much is is this maybe, you know, the biggest question mark heading into the postseason for this team? Well, I, I, it's certainly a big question mark. And, uh, you know, at the same time, you, you sit back and say it was the same question mark they had last year before Will Smith miraculously True. just That's became right. a, a great uh, closer. Now, I don't want to blame Kenley's struggles on pitching back-to-back nights. So it's not like the playoffs are going to be a completely – I can say, oh, you know what, he gets more rest in October and that kind of stuff with the – the scheduled off day. So I, I don't think that's the issue, but I, I'd say right now, you know, what we saw Saturday night uh, with, with his save, you know, perfect ninth there, you know, that's, if you can get that four out of every five appearances, you, you know, that, that's all you, all you can ask for right now out of him. Um, the, the good thing is that Iglesias is there if, if they needed somebody, but you know, now, all of a sudden, Yates is out of the picture. Kirby Yates is, is out of the picture with the elbow uh, issues. Tyler Matic hasn't gotten back to who he is. So now you've got A.J. Mentor, Iglesias, and Jansen. That, that's your three high-leverage guys. Can, can that work in the postseason? Yeah. Would it be great if Matic just suddenly started throwing 97-98 again? Certainly. That's probably not going to happen. But uh, the, 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 I guess what I'm getting at is, you could take Jansen out of that closer's role, but he's got a fit pitch. One of those, he's one of those three high leverage guys. So they're going to stick with him there in the closer's role for now. If it gets to the postseason and you know, it, or it's an issue, it continues to be a problem over the next couple of weeks. Then maybe you make the change. But um, he's been there, done that, and you know, when we wrote uh, about him struggling there last week after that. Uh, blown save in Seattle. A lot of the LA folks were like, "Here we go again." And like you know, they've written that story so many times. So uh, you know that, that maybe he has some struggles down the stretch. But like you said, Kenley is as, as likable a guy. As oh, such a good is. dude. He's such you know, a good he, dude, Mark. He, it's been he's so he's been so accountable every time that we've t- needed to talk to him this year. Um, and, you know, it's it's you you root for guys like that 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 you know that have had that kind of success you don't want to see a, a sad ending to anything and I, I don't think it's I, he's got enough left in the tank that it, it's not going to be a complete disaster down the street. 
I want to circle back now here <clears throat> to closing. We, you and I were talking about before we we got on and and I hit record on this that you know it, to me and I mean this this rivalry being back in baseball is great because it was such a great rivalry in the '90s. It was so amazing. It had so many unbelievable moments. I think about even at this time of year, which is you know so unfortunate to to have those memories come back, but to to be there at nine twenty one oh one. I remember, and everybody's heard it. I've, he said it to me and everybody else, but Chipper saying the only time in his whole life he's ever been okay with losing. There was a, there was a hatred, but there was always, always a mutual respect that came with that. That is not going to get admitted on either side because it is what it is. The difference is here, and I love Bobby V. You know, Bobby Cox and Bobby V. That that might have been real from that standpoint, and you know nobody hates Buck, so it's a little bit different there, right? And Smith is too nice to hate anybody, probably. So yeah. it's a little bit too nice in that category. What's your vantage point watching the Mets this season from, you know, amidst all the the, the fun and, and that we have with it? How are they seen down here from a Braves perspective when you think about, you know, either the, the challenge or the danger, if you will, that they kind of possess, not only in division, but in, in the postseason as well? Well, I mean, I think, you you know, from the start, it's always you, you knew that that this was a great team that was not going to, you know, uh, they weren't going to mess because yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't going to mess because Buck was there. Right. Buck was going to keep that ship straight. That's right. And, and I think we've seen that. You know, there were a couple of times where, you know, even recently, you know, some of the losses of the Nationals and, um, you know, that it's, some of those recent losses, the sink, the ship, you know, kept floating. And um, he's, I, I think he, he's respected. Obviously, that, that starting rotation is. Very, you know, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Formidable, you know I mean? but yeah, yes. At, at the same time, uh, you know, the Braves, you know, with Strider's emergence, with uh, Kyle Wright's emergence, they, these are two great rotations. These two teams are so similar, and so they so are, aren't they? I, I will say this: I, I when I left New York in early August after the Mets took four or five, and and the Vogelbach and Darren Ruff, you know that mixing the lefties and righties, I'm thinking, oh, my, this is going to work. And, it, you know, who, who can beat this Mets team? Obviously, that, you know, those guys have cooled off or, you know, have, have uh, struggled since then. But at the same time, uh, I think there's enough, uh, you know, in that Mets lineup to, to certainly be dangerous enough to support that great pitching staff. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of respect. It, uh, Snit loves Jeff McNeil. You know, he's he got to know him a couple of times. And it's hard not uh, to. He's he's like when we think of like baseball play, I go back to old school. Right. And I think yeah. like not old school, the movie, but like old school baseball. It's like, you know, and then like the Dustin Pedroyas of the world, not comparing them as players, but he's just one of these guys, McNeil, who it's like he's just a baseball player. He's not going to look pretty at but but he's just getting on base. He's choking up on the bat more than I've seen like a kid in Little League do. I've never have you ever seen it's a it's literally like that gap from the bottom. He's just a baseball player. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 likable. I got I got a funny story. Remember in at the All Star game when Wash was doing defensive drills with Pete. Yeah, Alonso? with Pete. Oh God, Braves fans must have hated that. <laughs> so of course, you know, he got a lot of flack in the clubhouse from the guys about that. So remind me what happened. Let's say it was it's about it was it was against the Yankees. Did Pete make a big play, a defensive play? Yeah, defensively there? he did. Yeah, yes. exactly. Anyhow, oh, people, people were getting on. <laughs> We're in Pittsburgh, and Pete makes a great play or something, and and all I hear is the game against the Pirates at just ended. You just heard wash, <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And isn't he the best? So anyhow, he's, it's, and it's he's been a lot of fun. I don't best. think he's the best too. Wash is the best. Yeah, he's the best. He is. He's super. He, but he is. Uh, he is. He is so hey, the it's, best. It's a great rivalry. I think it's fun. Fortunately, we don't have to deal with the the rocker stuff. You know. This no. Oh yeah. Well, it's not the same. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that was. Yeah. Well, that was, and that was a whole different thing. And even you know, to be honest, even. I think now that would have been handled way differently because when Ozuna came back, Braves fans were booing the crap out of him. I mean, yeah. you know, back in the, it's a different world we live in now where people are like, you know, they're more tied, which is, is good. I think in a lot of ways to what their morals are than what team that they root for a rocker. I don't think would have been accepted the same way after some of the stuff that he said, yeah. um, but it's different, man. They, both these teams are, are going to get in. It's going to be fun. I want to ask you one last one. And this has been something that I've been kind of floating out there. What this has been so much about the division for both teams, I think for their fan bases, but follow me here with this. These teams have killed the Phillies. I mean, the Philly fans must be really on the ledge because they can't beat either of these teams. It's a nightmare. Yeah. The five game series with the Dodgers to me is so much easier than a seven game series. It's why in 2019 Dodgers are heavy favorites. The nationals go in. It's where, when you have Strider, right? When you have, you know, uh, Scherzer and DeGrom, you could shorten that thing, quiet those bats enough, and on the road or not, go win a, a game five over there. Game seven is tough, right? Deeper in the bullpens. They got so much depth in L.A. What's your take on the fact that the loser of this division is going to get a Phillies team that they're probably going to beat because that's all these two teams have done with the Phillies all year and then face the Dodgers in five versus in seven where they're probably going to have to face them if they don't. I'm not saying lose the division on purpose, but I wouldn't be shocked if the loser of this division goes further in the postseason than the winner of this division does. I, I mean, you you make good points there. I, I guess my my biggest fear is who do you have lined up after you get through you know that final week of trying to win a division, and then you get into the wild card round. Who do you have lined up coming out of that wild card round for those first two games of the division series? I. I, I think everything the, the points you make are good, but I think I'd rather go ahead and sit back for. Oh sure, days. I think you'd rather, but I'm just yeah. I'm preparing the consolation speech. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 I think that's going to be very interesting, though. Is is how you know teams want to win that division? So that you know, let's say the Mets and the the Braves leave Atlanta, and, and uh, the division isn't isn't claimed. Now, what do you do when the Mets or when the Braves go to to Miami? You know, do they? They stick with those same guys. They say, oh, well, well, either we're going to win the division with Bryce Elder making a start or not, but we need to have the right guys lined up for the I think they're going for the division. They're going so, for the, I think it's more important for the Mets to win the division because of the age of their pitchers than it is for the Braves. Yeah. yeah I, I do. I I, the Mets yeah. need that rest for DeGrom and Scherzer because when you have DeGrom – look, if the Mets win, this is not you know, rocket science. It's like Strasburg and Scherzer who basically beat the Astros by themselves – it, yeah. It's when if the Mets win, those are the two guys who are going to win. That's how they're going to go through the postseason. And you're going to see one of them in an eighth inning randomly out of a bullpen and one's out of the seventh inning. In the, that's how they're going to do it. You need them healthy to do it. I, I think for the Braves, they're more of a they're a deep, complete team than I think the Mets are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's a top heavy. Yeah, the, the, the emergence of these young pitchers, you know, or Strider. Uh, and, and Kyle Wright has made a significant difference this year. And uh, and to think that, you know, if you're lining it up, you know, there aren't, you know, whatever, every everybody's available at the start of the postseason and Charlie Morton's your number four and, and the kind of postseason experience he has. Not bad. That, that's nice. We're lined up right now for September 30th, right here, DeGrom against Strider opening that series. Yeah. And that's sign, right. me, I, sign so, yeah. me up for that. 
Yes, that that'll be great because yeah, I think you know if they were online, if they stayed, they could go. They do. Yeah, it's, game, but yes. Skip him yeah. and yeah. That's where it lines up right now for Degrom and Strider and get, give me that. Let, yeah. Give me give me all of that. Uh, Mark, right. appreciate you, man. This was so much fun. Uh, keep trolling the fans with the trumpets and driving them <laughs> crazy. Just they, send them my way. It's like free therapy now that I have to give. I uh, I appreciate you, man. This will be fun down the stretch. All right. You take care. This has been a lot of fun. Stay with us on Unfiltered, the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern, and jump on if you're listening. Continue to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.